Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the field of psychology and mental health, with host Gabe Howard and co-host Vincent M. Wales. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Psych Central Show podcast. My name is Gabe Howard, and with me, as always, is Vincent M. Wales, and we are here to discuss narcissism. We are here with Dr. Romani, who is our first repeating guest in the history of the Psych Central Show podcast. Her previous episode, Why Does the Narcissist Always Get the Girl, is still our most popular so, Dr. Romani, welcome back. How are you? Thank you. I'm so I'm so good. It's so good good to be back. I'm so glad to hear it was a popular podcast the first time. And I got to say, in the ensuing period of time, narcissism has become even a bigger issue. So I've been busy, but good. Well, great. Before we get into our show today, which what we want to cover is my boss is a narcissist. What do I do dealing with narcissistic people at work and, and things like that? But answer the, the big question is having your own podcast narcissistic? No, I hope not because I've got one too, by the way. So we're, <laughs> we're both in trouble. And so, no, you know what? Listen, I, if you're self reflective, you're, no, it's not narcissistic. If you're empathic, if you cannot be defined by your accomplishments, I think you're okay. You know, I mean, we have our stuff. It's really about how much we self-reflect on it. But if you walk around with a t-shirt that has your podcast name on it, it's the only thing you wear, I'd be concerned. Oh, you know, Uh-oh. I have my own, I have Games my own clothing trouble. line. Yeah. This, uh, I call it a <laughs> yeah, clothing be, line because it's, it's one t-shirt, but I think that, that people, that, that qualifies as a clothing <laughs> we, we, we might be in trouble. I, I'm wearing a psych central shirt right now. So this is, Actually, Vin, aren't you wearing the shirt that goes with your book? Sort of. Yeah, see, this is a good thing. This is not a video <laughs> podcast. So, Thank God. So let's define narcissism right now. What is the, the, the actual, because de- I think people get it wrong a lot when they're talking about it. I mean, you hear people say, you're a narcissist, and, but there can't be this many narcissists. So what's it mean? Well, there could be that many narcissists, but what it really <laughs> means is a per- <laughs> it's a pervasive pattern of grandiosity, entitlement, lack of empathy, superficiality, and validation seeking. And it defines the person in all areas of their life. So you may have someone who sort of puts on a great show as a salesman at work just to get through it. But honestly, the rest of the time, they're just a sweet guy, you know, a sweet gal. It's, you know, if you, you, sometimes you just, you, I mean, you sort of put it on just to get through something. And again, if your job, especially if your job is in something like sales, but at all other times, if you're empathic with your kids and your spouse and your friends, and even your coworkers, that's, that's not narcissism. It's really that it's present in a variety of contexts. You know, Dr. Romani, I did have a, a job at one point in my life where, where I worked with a gentleman who was literally textbook. And I know this because one of my other coworkers had a DSM. And we pulled it out and we went through all of the list of qualifiers and, and this other coworker hit like 95% of them. Yeah. Yeah, In fact, in my, in my book, I have 30, I have a list of 30. I should have had 31. So it'd be like, you know, Baskin Robbins, but I have 30. (laughs) And then I I feel like that, that sort of slices and dices it a little bit better because I think that the DSM definition takes it on from one angle. I think that Mm -hmm. it's actually bigger and wider than we think. So it was interesting, though, having having a clear narcissist as a coworker, um, mm-hmm. and of course, we all learned our little our little tricks and how to deal with them, which was as little as possible. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, a lot of business people, especially at the at the upper levels, have this streak in them. Is is that a fair assessment? Absolutely, a fair assessment because it's almost what you need to get ahead. 
without, because let's face it, what is it, why does a business exist? Not to make people feel good about themselves, not to, be, not to promote the human good, but to make a profit. And the psychological stuff you need to make a profit really lines up well with narcissism. Because if you have too much empathy, it's going to slow you down. You're actually worried about the other people. You can't worry about that. You've got to make a profit. And so you better believe that they climb up that food chain faster than anyone else, which is why a pretty large proportion of CEOs are narcissists. I don't think there's any way around it. Not the way the system's set up. Well, one of the things that you were talking about is that Vin was smart to avoid his narcissistic coworker. But what if it was Vin's narcissistic boss? What, what should he do then? You can't, can't avoid your boss. Yeah. You raise a very important point because, you know, when we have these narcissistic relationships and, you know, should I stay or should I go? My, my, my second book is very much about your intimate partner, which in some ways is sort of an optional relationship. You could always get out of it. I actually think a boss is sometimes less of an optional relationship because you may be beholden to that job. It pays well. It's the only job in your area. The economy's not doing well. So when you have a narcissistic boss, which many people do, by dint of being a narcissist, they're probably more likely to be the boss because they've climbed up the ladder. You know, the one thing I tell people from the jump when you have a narcissistic boss is document the hell out of everything. You save every email, text message, voice message, and communication you get from this person because when this goes dark, and it may go dark if you're not lucky enough to leave the job, you're going to need that documentation because they are so great at gaslighting and twisting the truth that unless you have that documentation, you won't stand a chance with HR or in a court of law. So that's one thing I do tell people. And honestly, even if it doesn't go that extreme where you're filing grievances or going to court, sometimes having that documentation just makes you feel more sane. You're like, no, they really did say that no matter how messed up it is. They'll often, they'll often take credit for things that they didn't do and that's your, that is your work. They will often throw people under the bus. They'll often lie. These are common gambits for a narcissistic boss. And so you need documentation or it's always going to end up being them. he said, she said. Sure. One of the things that you said in, in your example there was gaslighting. Can you explain to our audience what gaslighting is? Yeah, gaslighting is when you sort of basically deny someone else's reality and you start making them feel like they're losing, your mo- they're losing their mind. It's basically saying, that didn't happen. I never said that. And you're like, no, you did. You said it 10 minutes ago. So I don't remember that. And you're, you start, and this, this is where I know somebody's in a narcissistic relationship when they say things like, I am going to start recording our conversations. I am going to start saving every email. I'm going to only communicate with them in, e- in an email so I get written to, uh, documentation to support what was said. You literally, they start, again, they doubt your reality. And that's another thing I recommend when you have a narcissistic boss. Make sure you get as many communications in writing as possible. Because um, if you live in California, for example, we're a two-party recording state. You can't record someone without their consent. And I can guarantee you a narcissist will never let you record them. And so you want to get as much in writing from them as possible. So always, always, always push it with the emails, get things in writing, or they will deny your reality. You know, a lot of us in the, in the work world, have the uh, CYA file in our in our computers? Oh, and that's what I have it. Yeah, folder. not just for narcissists. It's, CYA. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, for, for it's for everything. Yeah, we're having a great time talking to Dr. Romney, but we're going to step away for a moment. Remember, we have a survey going. You can hop over to psychcentral.com/show. Please fill it out. Help make the Psych Central show better. And we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. 
Secure, convenient, and affordable online counseling. All counselors are licensed, accredited professionals. Anything you share is confidential. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist whenever you feel it's needed. A month of online therapy often costs less than a single traditional face-to-face session. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash psych central and experience seven days of free therapy to see if online counseling is right for you. Betterhelp.com forward slash psych central. Welcome back. We're here talking with Dr. Romani about dealing with narcissists in the workplace. Give us some examples of how, I mean, aside from the things that you've just said, what sort of behavior do we, do we see in a narcissist in the workplace? Well, so let's break it down. You, I mean, again, it's a little different for bosses and coworkers, obviously, because a boss holds a different kind of power over you than a coworker. But let's start with the, sort of the cardinal trait of narcissism, which is lack of empathy. Okay, so that's where you may be having a bad day. They don't care. Let's say you're a parent. And even though you're doing a good job, there is a day when maybe you have a sick child. They don't care. It's that lack of empathy, that absolute lack of caring. Um, They don't care that you don't have enough resources to do your job. They don't care that you don't have a support staff. They don't care. And so that can really, really be destabilizing. Then we can take on the entitlement piece that they, you know, they are, they are the people who feel they deserve special treatment. So the rest of you may be sitting 17 to a cubicle, but they'll have a 900 square foot office because they're special. You know, they will waste the company dime on their first class flights and whatever it is they feel they need, but everyone else will be treated badly. That is also very common. They truly believe either a coworker or a boss, they deserve special treatment. They lie a lot. Narcissists lie because they practice a lot. They engage in a lot of denial. And so when someone's lying to you, that can make your job very hard to do. If it's a coworker, it could end you up in a lot of hot water. You know, they will lie about what you did. They'll say you, did, you didn't do something and you did actually do it. They'll take credit. Like I said, they'll take credit for your work. You know, they will, they'll make you look bad or they'll literally make your job harder because they tend to be very self-promoting. And so you really have to watch your back, which almost starts feeling like another full-time job, that you're having to watch your back at work to make sure you're not being taken advantage of, which they will do because they want to get ahead at any cost. And they're constantly seeking validation. So you really have to spend some time massaging these people every day at work, which can feel really gross. You know, if you say, my gosh, you look so handsome today, or don't you look nice, or what a great idea. And that was the idea you brought up in a meeting three weeks ago. So you're constantly feeling you have to massage these people. They're always, always seeking validation. And they believe in two sets of rules. The rules that apply to them and the rules that apply to everyone else. And they don't feel that they're going to be held to the same standard of rules. So once again, it feels, it feels deeply unjust. And the fact is the world is an unfair place, but that doesn't feel good at work. And when you have narcissistic bosses or coworkers, probably the hardest piece of all is that you do not get recognized for your good work. You don't get the promotion or the bonus or the recognition of any kind because either A, they're taking credit for it or they're ignoring it because they also have a real tendency for jealousy. They're very jealous. They usually don't have the goods, or often, I shouldn't say usually, they often don't have the goods to back up their work. And in fact, they're often stealing other people's stuff or taking credit for stuff that's not theirs. And because of that jealousy, they're often very vulnerable and they're threatened. So because they feel threatened and they're often also very paranoid, they often feel everybody in the workplace is out to get them, that you'll really feel like you're in this very suspicious work environment. So as you can see, it's a really unpleasant way to go to work. And I'm sure amongst the listeners, a lot of you are nodding your head saying, yeah, I've worked in a place like that, or God forbid, I'm currently working in a place like that. 
Well, let me ask you this. For longtime listeners of the Psych Central Show podcast, you know that we started off with host Gabe Howard featuring Vincent M. Wales. Then a couple of months later, we changed it to host Gabe Howard with co-host Vincent M. Wales. And then, of course, we finally landed on co-hosted by Gabe Howard and Vincent M. Wales. Now, I am not a narcissist. I hope Vin will non-jokingly back me up on this. But I was worried in the beginning that the roles would not be understood you know, that I was the host and Vin was the hell. I was just, I was really, really worried about this. And I had a lot of anxiety about confusing the audience. But based on what you just said, it could also be said that, hey, Gabe wanted all the credit and all the validation. Now, Vin and I are pals and he pointed out to me that I was an idiot and I apologized and we fixed it. But if we weren't close, Vin might've thought that I was a narcissist. What's the difference between low self-esteem and narcissism? I mean, aside from the obvious. <laughs> so, yeah, well, first of all, then here's the difficulty is that all narcissists have low self-esteem. That's why they are the way they are. If you have high self-esteem, if you have a good sense of self, you don't need to throw other people under the bus. You're comfortable with yourself. You're confident in what you can achieve. You don't, um, you don't bemoan other people's success. So the two, those two, th- that is the core of narcissism is insecurity. That said, you know, the things that you, it sounds like what you're wondering is would, who would have been the anxious one, you or Vin in this story? I was the anxious one. I, I was really worried when we were setting up the podcast. Vin is cool as a cucumber. And longtime listeners know that because I'm nuts and Vin right. is calm. Yeah, that's, that's, just, that's just how we roll. That's why we make a good team. But yeah, I, I was very insecure in the beginning about how it was set up. And, uh, you know, I came along first. I came up, Vin and I got on the air at the same time. But uh, right. I, I had been planning the podcast for about two months before I invited Vin to co-host mm-hmm. it with me. I suppose one thing that I could say is when Vin and I talked about it, I was open to listening, saw his point of view and changed my behavior. So that allows me to see that, okay, clearly I wasn't a narcissist or I would have fired Vin no. for challenging me. No, if you were a narcissist, you never would have elevated Vin to the level of co-host. You, know, you would have kept him in the cheap seat in perpetuity, even though he was doing his fair share forever because you were, had such low self-esteem in this story, as you say it, if your self-esteem is that low, even though Vin was more than carrying his load and in fact was acting as a de facto co-host, yeah. you never would have given him that title because that would have been a threat. So you would have kept him in the cheap seat. And then that would have been on Vin to decide, dude, I'm doing as much as you. I'm, I'm out of here because I'm not, I'm not getting the proper billing or Vin would be like, I'm having a good time. So I'm just going to stick it out. And people would listen to it and roll their eyes and say, Vin's not just a hanger on, he's the co-host. You know, so that's where it would manifest is that he never would have gotten elevated to that status. And so that's what I'm saying. You're not a narcissist because as the process evolved, so too did Vin's title and role. But if you were truly a narcissist, you never, ever would have let him get to that point. You see that in Hollywood all the time. Nobody wants to give up turf, ever. And so they hold on assiduously to their position, thinking that if I let anyone come on and share this with me, this has happened to me left and right in the business, that people don't want to play nice because they're afraid they'll lose their territory entirely. It's a dog-eat-dog business. And so it's that then you, know, you go, you're not a narcissist. The narcissist in your position, Gabe, would have never, A, may, not, may have only used Vin as a sound engineer and never even brought his name into the mix. Or even if he did speak, you never would have called him a co-host. You so what about that, the Vin? Per- I'm awesome. <laughs> well, 
Well, no, I, I didn't give you that did, one. I was going to say that. I simply said you're free of pathology. That, that's fair. That's, that's very, very fair. I'm still annoying. Somewhat, I'm just not narcissistic. Somewhat narcissistic of you to elevate that to awesome from not. Well, that's, that's the low self-esteem speaking. I'm just yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so is there a danger in someone with low self-esteem becoming a narcissist? Oh yeah, I mean, I think it's all, there's an and there's a, at times a certain inevitability to it because when you have low self-esteem, it's almost like it becomes like a a road with multiple paths at that point. Some folks with low self-esteem will have a lot of anxiety. Some folks with low self-esteem will have depressive symptoms. Some people with low self-esteem will engage in self-destructive behaviors like substance use or other regulation disorders like eating disorders to either help numb the pain or help control it, especially if the stuff's around weight and shape. And some people with low self-esteem, it manifests as narcissism. More often than not, it's a bit of a mashup. Lots of narcissists have moments where they look depressed, um, where they're very anxious, and that's where they sort of seem to be spinning out of control. But low self-esteem is that lack of sort of, it is that lack of identity. It's, it's that lack of security in one's self. And so when you don't have that, every situation you go into feels really destabilized, whether it's work or love or friends or anything. And so they compete for empty prizes, like, I'm going to be the boss, and then I'll be important. But that's a title. They still don't feel important inside. And the less important they feel and the less, the more, I should say, and the more insecure they feel, the more of an ass they are as a boss. Right. So the more, when you have a boss who's a big, big fool, like I said, ass is a good word, you know that that is the most sad little insecure man in the world. That, and that's, I'm knowing that I can sort of snicker to myself and watch the whole game play out. Unless, again, unless you're on the really abusive receiving end of that stuff, which I think all of us have been there. In addition to being the only person to be on the show twice, you're also the only person to ever swear on the show. So congratulations. Oh, I said ass. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and, I was very careful. And you're I, allowed. I ass, ass is an animal too, so I figured I could get away with that. That is true. That is true. And of course, I mean, in order to swear on the show, you have to come on for a second time. So all there of our go. future guests, right. please well, keep no, wait that a in minute. mind. I've, I've been on since November and I, I'm not allowed to swear. You can't be a co-host. Uh, you have to be a I guess guest. I'm grandiose. I'm and I elevated you to co-host, Vin. So, <laughs> uh huh. But see, then you have to. Vin earned it. Vin earned his right to be the co-host. And see, and there you go. There's a great example, Gabe. Let's just say, let's pretend that really happened. Okay, at yes, a workplace. Please. And you said, Vin, I elevated you to co-host. That very subtle use of language speaks volumes because you didn't elevate Vin. Vin, in theory, earned that position. And when you say to somebody in the workplace, I elevated you, it's as though their promotion was completely not earned by them. It was something you magically rendered for them. And that's the way, those are the subtle ways narcissists also control the workplace. They make you almost feel beholden, like, oh, golly, I only got that elevation because of my wonderful wizard-like boss, rather than I earned this. I did the work. I said what I needed to say, I did what I needed to do, and I earned the promotion. So those little words that are used in the workplace that we don't even think about, because we want the promotion, we got the promotion, it really says a lot about the culture. Yeah, it's like they're, they're giving, doing you a favor by giving you a they're raise. Doing you a favor. Yeah. And then you're beholden to them. They, and they need people. That's what narcissistic bosses count on people being beholden to them. And you'll see, it's not unusual for them to use the workplace as their playground. 
they'll set up lots of work events. And it's always like work events where we go and we celebrate the boss. The boss often has the bigger house. So he's going to have everyone over and everyone has to tell the boss how wonderful he is and how nice his house is and how pretty his wife is and how nice his kids are. I mean, he looks to the workplace as, or she, he or she looks to the workplace as their source of narcissistic supply. And it's great because those, that's a captive audience. They have to almost in some ways, they almost have to because they're like, oh, we have to go play nice with the boss. I mean, how many office Christmas parties and office summer picnics are really about going and paying homage to the bosses and saying, golly, gee, thanks for throwing up such a nice party and making nice with these people and sort of kissing the ring. That's often what they do. They, these narcissistic bosses and, and people higher in management will use the workplace as, again, as that source of narcissistic supply. Dr. Romney, last time you were on the show, we talked a lot about your book, and I understand that it has recently come out in paperback. Is that correct? Yeah, paperback release date is October 10th, and so now it's a more portable version of the book. You can look at the hardcover if you want, but now you can sort of handily stick it in your bag and leave it, leave it for strangers who you think are in narcissistic relationships more subtly, and you won't hurt someone as much if you hit them with it. So multiple uses of <laughs> paperback. Well, as always, the 20 minutes just goes by so fast, but we have time for one last question. And what I'd like you to do is, is kind of tie it all down for us. If you're somebody who has mm -hmm. a narcissistic coworker, a narcissistic boss, what is the last piece of information to surviving that sort of workplace? You know, I think part of it is, is figure out that way, if you cannot leave that job, to derive some level of meaning or purpose from that job, whatever it may be. It, frankly, Gabe and Vin, if you stay in this kind of a toxic workplace too long, you're going to get sick. You're going to get sick. You're literally going to get physically ill, and it's quite possible it could contribute to problems with your mental health. So these situations may not be tenable for decades. You may be able to hang for years, especially once you know, like, this is how it is. I got to figure out what I can do. But I would tell people, start crafting an exit plan. Even if that exit plan may take months or years to achieve, Every week, you need to be doing something towards getting out of there. We really appreciate you being on the show. You're a wonderful guest, as always. Thank you. So thank you for agreeing to hang out with us. And thank My you, pleasure. everyone else, for tuning in. Remember, you can get one week of convenient, affordable, private, online counseling anytime, anywhere, absolutely free by visiting betterhelp.com slash psychcentral. And with that, we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to The Psych Central Show. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you found this podcast. We encourage you to share our show on social media and with friends and family. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show. Psychcentral.com is the Internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. Psych Central is overseen by Dr. John Grohall, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is an award-winning writer and speaker who travels nationally. You can find more information on Gabe at GabeHoward.com. Our co-host, Vincent M. Wales, is a trained suicide prevention crisis counselor and author of several award-winning speculative fiction novels. You can learn more about Vincent at VincentMWales.com. If you have feedback about the show, please email TalkBack at PsychCentral.com. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. 
that's OCD. One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.